Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Now today, I'm really excited to bring you somebody that um, I know quite well, somebody that um, I haven't seen for a good while, but somebody that I've worked with in the past and I have a great deal of respect for. Um, The gentleman I've got on the other end of the line, he is currently in the UK, is a gentleman called Jeff Pike. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Rob. Good to talk to you, mate. I haven't yeah. spoke for a while. Yeah, it's good to have you with us now. For any of you um, who um, don't know Jeff's background, just very briefly, just to uh, give him um, a little bit of a, of a CV coverage. Jeff's um, an prof- ex-professional footballer who uh, really is uh, famed for his time at, at West Ham United. Now, if I'm Jeff, I'm sure he'll correct me. Um, I know he's a very humble guy, but I'm sure he played almost 400 games for the Amazon, notched a good few goals as well. Um before going out, and um, I think Jeff, you you were captain of Notts County as well. If I'm if I'm not correct, uh, correct, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, two seasons. Yeah, County. yeah, and um, I think when you were with West Ham, you you, you won the FA Cup in 1980, and um, uh, I think there was a Cup Winners' Cup good run in that in that period of time. Jeff as well, and played with some household names like Mr. Brookin and and, and Mr. <laughs> Billy Bonds and, and people like that. Before you went on to um, start your coaching uh, after you still have played for Leighton Orient. Is that about right, Jeff? As regards your, your yeah, playing career, yeah, that's, that's that's more or less it, Rob. You know, we we, we had uh, we had some uh, experiences around uh, eighty early eighty eighty between eighty and eighty five at West Ham, where things were uh, pretty good and probably well, I say probably, but I don't know for a fact, but. You know, it's, it's unlikely at this present time that West Ham will uh, achieve uh, those sort of heights again at this present time, and hopefully they will in the future. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we won the cup in '80. We got to the League Cup final in '81 against Liverpool and lost on a replay. Yeah. Uh, whilst we were in the second division uh, at the time, um, and uh, we, we then got promoted in the '80-'81 uh, season. We got to the quarter final with a cup winners' cup. Yeah. Um, and the call final the FA Cup again that yeah. that, that year and at, uh, and then we got promoted and then the, the following season 81 eight, uh, 82 um, we was uh, at Christmas we was top of the first division uh, and unfortunately as as people quite uh, remind me on a yeah. uh, numerous occasions is that you know West Ham always tend to come uh, fall down like the Christmas decorations <laughs> after Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, which is what happened, unfortunately, and you know we 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 didn't finish as as high as we would have hoped. But, yeah, well, um, some some great times. Absolutely, Jeff. And I tell you that one of the reasons that um, it made me think, do you know, I am I do need to ring Jeff because uh, you were on my radar to to give you a call was your quote about the leadership style of um, Billy Bonds. That that really kind of just ignited my, uh, you know, pushed me to, to, to actually get back in touch with you again. Um, you sure. talked about Billy. Um, just so, just, you know, because leadership something on the podcast that I try and expand upon. You, you did talk about Billy quite eloquently there, um, Jeff. So um, just for people who didn't actually hear that or read that quote, what, um, what was it? What was Billy Bonds like? 
Well, well Bill, Bill was like, um, uh, uh, he wasn't vocal. He wasn't that, you know, he wasn't like the type of person that would shout and holler at people and try to get people motivated through, you know, sort of uh, bellowing at people or shouting at them or whatever. Uh, what he did was he led by example. Right. And um, I, I can remember a situation um, where things weren't going particularly well for us at Upton Park and things, you know, the, the, the opposition were far better than us at the time. And Bill took it upon himself to to uh, try and stir things up a little bit, get the crowd behind us, but also rally us as a group of people. Yeah. And I can remember being in, in, a, in a midfield position and uh, there was a player about 10 or 15 yards in front of me yeah. um, in possession of the ball. And, and all of a sudden, Bill come past me like uh, like a bullet train mm. um, and absolutely larrap this, this particular <laughs> individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know it's not uh, something that you would uh, yeah. condone, but it was, a, it was a situation where Bill needed or felt he needed to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked at him and said, and I can remember saying it to myself, I can't let him do that on his own. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I then start, I sort of started to, to do some uh, to do things, and then other people did as well, and we yeah. rallied round. Yeah. Um, it didn't come from the sideline, Rob. You know, where, no. where nowadays, uh, you know, and no disrespects to any of the players, but it just seems like there's a lot of times when they don't make the decisions on the field. The decisions are made off the field on the sideline for them. And as a consequence of that, they have to look to the sideline to make any decisions. Yes. Whereas we just made a lot of those decisions while we was out there. And the manager was comfortable with that because he felt that, you know, we all understood what what, we, what and how we wanted to play. Yeah. And, you know, there were certain times when he when the manager said, well, look, you know, it, it, they're out there. They're the ones that have got to deal with it. I can't do anything on here. I can say things. But yeah. in reality, they're the ones that have got to deal with it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And it's a great story to illustrate a that type of leadership and how it manifested in in a in an actual professional uh, space. And as you rightly said at the beginning of the podcast, was one of West Ham's um, periods where you know they were absolutely flying. And uh, you know you don't get to Cup winners, Cup quarterfinals, and FA Cups and, and promotions unless you know on a consistent basis, unless something's right about a, a squad of players, do you, Jeff? So you know, I think you've 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 nailed it there with that, really. Um, Absolutely, but it came from the top, Rob. You know, the the manager was very along those lines as well. John Lyle, who was our manager at the time, yeah, uh, I cannot remember him at any any time walking in the dressing room and shouting. Right, amazing. Uh, and screaming and throwing cups like, you know, some people do. But, but Rob, if, if John had said to me, um, I I think you'll become a better player if you run around the M25, start bollock naked, excuse my French, and probably yeah, yeah. cut that one out. <laughs> I, um, I, I, would, I would have done that. Yeah. You know, yes. because I, I, I believed in him. Where where did that... Okay, Jeff, so... Here you are as a, a player. Was was John Lyle the manager when you got your debut, uh, Jeff? Um, yes, yes and no. Because Ron Greenwood was there. Ron and John was the first team coach at the time, right. and um, uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, stuff going on. And uh, but Ron was sort of general manager, and Ron sort of sorry, John sort of managed the team as such. Okay. Um, so it was. He, 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 um, I mean, the story is, Rob, is um, as a as an, uh, a ten year old. Yeah. Um, my school teacher, uh, um, uh, Mr. Jones, who yeah. uh, in my uh, primary school, um, 
uh, sorry, Mr. Davis, uh, in my primary school, yeah. um, uh, was playing me in the, in the school team when I was eight years old. Yes. And um, uh, as a consequence of that, he actually made contact with West Ham and said, you need to have a look at this boy. So yeah. they said, we'll bring him along. So I went along. My dad took me to Chubble Leaf training ground and yeah. I walked in the training ground. And John Lyle was the youth team coach at the time. And, yeah. uh, and being the youth team coach, you had to do the, you did the Tuesday and Thursday evenings. That was yes. your job. Yes. And I walked in and John come up to me and he said, hello, what's your name? And I told him, he said, how old are you? He said, I, I said, I'm 10. He said, you're a little bit young, but because you're here, join in. Yeah. Uh, so I did. And at the end of it, he, he come up to me and said, make sure you're here on Thursday. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so John had had a massive influence on my career right. from yeah. a 10-year-old in 1966 yeah. um, right the way through, you know, to my professional playing career. Yeah. You know, so I, uh, God rest him, uh, I have a lot to thank, thank him for. Yeah, so he, he was, uh, okay, so there he was at this stage. I'm just trying to get out of it for, so young coaches can, can, can kind of say that he is a guy who never raised his voice. He obviously showed a belief in you, Jeff, by just saying the simple words, come, make sure you come along on on Thursday. I mean, um, was that the start of uh, kind of... Robert, if I, if I can say, he, he, he never shared and hollered, but his knowledge of the game yeah. was absolutely first class. And that's why... He was the leader that he was because right. we believed in what he was saying. So it's all, all well and good being a certain leader yeah. or have certain leadership traits. But if you haven't got the knowledge to back it up, then what's the point in you can't lead because you haven't got the leadership. You can have leadership traits, but if you don't know what you're leading, you've got no chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can, yeah, absolutely, Jeff. And it's a great, it's an absolutely fantastic point that, you know, you, I think the world, not, not just football, but the world, is under an illusion that you have to be this almost, you know, we could suppose we could use the, the figureheads that we've got running the world at the moment, if you believe that, that, you know, this president of the US and a big figure and loud and, and all the rest of it and full of jargon and, and, and um, you know, overpowering or overbearing it. You know, we could use more positive words, yeah, but, yeah. but that kind of thing. Um, but then, as you've rightly said, Jeff, for if you care to listen and you can get in the presence of people who, um, who, who obviously have got a profound depth and, and have got a, a foundation, as I call it, because I think in football, Jeff, as in anything, ultimately you'll get found out if you, if you are lacking or wanting, you will get found out somewhere and um, you can't make up for it, can you, in being loud? No, you can't. And, you know, one of the things that worries me at the moment in respect of uh, coach education is the fact that there's a lot of stuff going digital, Yes. And as a consequence of that, the coaches never get on the grass. And if, if you don't get on the grass, then how can you actually prove that you know what you're talking about? It's all yeah. well and good doing it digitally. Yes. Um, and some people are very, very good at it. Don't get me wrong. Um, and some people are very good at it, and they also are very good on the grass. Yes. Uh, but there's, 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 uh, there's some people out there that are very good at doing the digital stuff, but we don't know if they're any good on the grass because we never see them on the grass. Right. And that worries me. I'm sure it does, Jeff. Because um, as a you know, as a as a, a coach myself, blimey, Jeff. You know, I I, I was there when uh, the the old A licenses were you know the brutal two weeks, and and because you joined in every session, Jeff. You, you if you weren't fit, you, you you never lasted the course anyway, or, or you just uh, had to stand out and watch. Um, and I'm sure 
I mean, I've been away from from that kind of work for for quite a long time, Jeff. While you've kind of headed it up, I mean, but obviously by what you're saying, it, it's changed drastically in terms of what's expected of candidates. Um, so there is more of a, of a of a theory side to it than there was, Jeff. Is that right? Is that is that right um, to say? Yes, yes, and yes and no, Rob. And I mean, I, I think you know what we've got to do is put it in, in a little bit of context. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that they're doing now is based around the fact that we're under we're in this pandemic of you know COVID nineteen etc yeah. etc. And you know you've got to be a bit careful that you know there, there's uh, um, we're 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 tying everybody with the same brush, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, um, whilst whilst there is a, a number of stuff that's going on or a lot of stuff that's going on in respect of digital stuff, and my my personal opinion is that. I have got no problem with the digital stuff as long as it complements the stuff on the grass. Yes, yes. And doesn't overtake and take over from it. Yeah. Um, so there has to be a balance. But at the moment, um, there, there, you can't have that balance because you can't get you can't get the coaches out on the grass. No. So it worries me that people are getting uh, potentially qualified yes. at whatever level that may well be yeah. without actually doing the stuff that, that really they need to be doing, which is the bit on the grass. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It, it, but you know the, the bottom line is, is you know um, governing bodies have to do the job the best they can. At the, you know at this particular time, and you know I understand where they what, what, where and why and how they're doing it. Um, but the sooner they get back to getting coaches on the grass, uh, for me, absolutely. It would be no, absolutely, Jeff, and I'm fully understanding of the situation. Where I mean, we're all in a, a difficult situation, and probably having work lives that are different than they were 12 months ago because of this situation um so yeah f- fully understood so just what i'd like to do jeff is just take you back to when you first started coaching um so was that when you were at orient as a player that you actually started to coach jeff um well i, I it was at orient yes um but it wasn't as i was a player right. um I, I i left Notts county um about uh one and two thirds seasons through being there. Yeah. Came back to Orient as a player. Yeah. Um, and didn't really um, played intermittently uh, while I was there at the start in the first season. And then um, uh, uh, Peter Eustace came in to support Frank Clark as yeah. first team coach. Ended up playing a bit more, but then got an injury. Right. Um, and I was 35 years of age. And. Um, John Gorman. I don't know if you remember John. Yeah, yeah. John, yeah. Uh, John um, was youth team coach at Lake Norwich at the time. And uh, Glenn Hoddle got his first management role at Swindon. Right. And they, they were they were good mates. And they, uh, Glenn asked John to go there as first team coach, so he left. And I, I, it happened around the time when I had a decision to make around an injury, which yeah. was um, uh, either play through it, which was not possible, have an operation with, which would restrict my movement or retire. Yes. Um, so when John left, Frank Clark called me in the office and said, would I be interested in the in the youth coach's job? Uh-huh. So I said, well, you've you just made my mind up then. Right. I'll retire from playing. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. Right. Um, and I did that for two years and then um, was uh, 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 given the sack because uh, in, in a space of two years, I hadn't produced a player. Um, which I which I, I don't necessarily agree with, and probably not the time to go into it. But um, uh, so I, I had two years as a youth coach, and then came out of that 
And about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a fella called Alex Welsh, who yeah. worked for, or did work for London FA at the time. And he asked me if I would be interested in delivering a prelim course, which was the precursor to the... Yeah, the old so, prelim, yeah. 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 Um, no training, nothing whatsoever. Right. Um, Great. I said, said yes, because I, I, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, it's an opportunity to do some work. Yeah, yeah. Um, went over to Douglas Air Sports Centre in, uh, in Leighton. Yeah. And uh, delivered delivered the course. And yeah. uh, sort of never looked back from there, really. Went, went into, uh, then, um, you know, started working with the PFA yeah. uh, as, a, as a, a regional coach. Um, and and then started to deliver the, the qualifications within the, the, the football clubs was, uh, to the yeah. young scholars. Was, if you go back in your mind, Jeff, um, were you a, a budding coach as a player or did it not enter your mind or, or were you a coach um, and, and had you know ambitions to do that or, or did you not think about it when you were playing? I, 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 I had no inkling whatsoever wow. that that's what we're going to do. Wow. Um, in a period of time uh, post-leaving Lake Orient, I got a job in, a, in uh, East Berkshire College which is over Slough Way. Yeah. Uh, as a lecturer's assistant, so I would put the equipment up, put the in the nets up, take them down, put the, the trampolines yeah. up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But while I was there, a fellow called Simon East, who's a good friend of mine, um, we set up an academy for players that were being released from yes. uh, professional clubs and getting them in. And um, uh, probably Lloyd Awusu, you may or may not have heard of Lloyd, played professionally at Brentford, etc., etc. Was one of our um, uh, products basically, yeah. you know. So uh, and and then it was like you know, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen now? You know. So uh, I then got the phone call from the PFA. But yeah. from, from from your question, um, I had no inkling that I was going to be a coach. Uh, I had no thoughts about it whatsoever. Um, I went and did um, the the prelim myself while I was while I was youth team coach. Yes, and then did my A license while I was youth team coach. Right. So post finished playing, I hadn't yeah. done any qualifications whatsoever, um, and then suddenly realised that um, uh, I, I, it sounds a bit weird, but I was still still at that particular time could run around a little bit even though I had the injury. Yeah, and we're playing some charity games. And um, I would I would realise while I'm playing in a charity game because of my qualifications now that if I'd have done the qualifications while I was playing, I, I'm 100 percent sure that it would have made me a better player. Wow! Because I understood the game better. What a statement! Um, uh, you know, so it, it was it was a situation where you know uh, that that was something that I wanted to part, then pass on to other people. So. <laughs> My, my job, at, I then got the job at the PFA, and that was uh, the, the start of really getting in, into doing, yeah. you know, uh, of building a career as a country educator. Well, that's a great statement, and it's a great thing for um, for coaches to realise that that actually, you know, it's not just theory. Actually, if you when you understand it deeply, it it, it can make you a, a better player. No, it's, it's fantastic, Jeff. I've not, I've only heard that kind of referred to once before um but you know coming from yourself who obviously played at 
the highest level at, at the time um, with West Ham. That that's that is a statement to say that really. Um, but that's fantastic. So there you are. You, you've 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 got into coaching because of adversity. You've got this injury. Yes, you're coming to kind of your mid thirties. Um, have the decision made for you. Really get into that. You kind of by the sound of it were left to your own devices, Jeff. With um, with the youth team at uh, at Orient, is that is that about right? Were you left to get on with it? Just just get on with it and um, do what you can. Well, well the, the, the job was a bit more than that, Rob, if, because of the financial implications at the football club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I was also the um, uh, the bus driver, uh, <laughs> uh, busing the, the kids backwards and forwards to the training right. ground in the kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, taking the reserve team and uh, and busing them to wherever they needed right. to go to as well. Right. And you know, so it wasn't just the youth team; it was it was the reserves as well because we didn't have the staff. Um, and I, I have to say that, you know, whilst um, uh, I was uh, given the, the, the sack because I hadn't produced a player, yeah. uh, I quoted a number of players that had come through that yeah. youth team or those two years in that youth team that actually played in Peter Eustace's first team in, in Orient, yeah, yeah. but I hadn't produced a player. You yes. know? But um, <laughs> at the time, uh, it was a situation where... I don't know if you remember a lad called John Sutton. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. John John ended up being being first team manager at, at Orient, but he he finished playing as well. And I think Peter Eustace and him were uh, wanted to uh, shake things up. And uh, there was a quote that Peter Eustace said to me that um, uh, uh, that I won't repeat because it wasn't particularly nice. But he he spoke to me on on the day of my departure about how I should. Um, um, uh, how I should treat these young players. I used to spend lots of time, Rob, um, speaking with uh, the players on an individual basis. Right. We had two or three players that were down from sort of the Cambridge area that were living in digs that were really struggling. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of it, and I spent a lot of time talking to them about you know making sure that they were comfortable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, Peter Eustace told me one day that I needed to be. Um, uh, completely the other end of the spectrum, yeah. and he used a word that, I, that yeah, yeah. I don't like and I won't use. Yes, um, but you know, he he basically said that I needed needed to be a lot nastier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and John was that type of person. No disrespect to John, and I, I like John. I got on with got on with John really well. But he was he was a person that would, wouldn't you know yes. would uh, deal with fire with fire. Yeah, is that way? Yeah, um, and, and having heard all the youth coaches from that era. Jeff, I would say that, and you know, you can't generalize, but the way that you were naturally, by the sound of it, recognizing the person, not just the player, um, and, and seeing the whole picture and the social aspect, which kind of is such a big thing these days. I think probably you were seeing things, you were ahead of your time, you know, and I'm not trying to be bully you up in any other way but you, you know that, that we're ahead of your time in doing that because I think that's more of a modern thing definitely much more of a modern thing than it was uh, then Jeff so yeah I'm sure um, you know blam you, you, may, you may be right Rob but, but I, I prefer to look at it from the point of view of how I went through an education uh, as a footballer and um, uh, you know uh, John Lyle's name will crop up again I've no doubt as we, as we speak going through but but John wasn't just, you know, my uh, first team coach. Yeah. He was he was a person that I looked up to, and yeah. uh, and you know he 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 would never have behaved 
uh, in a way that was uh, inappropriate to, to younger players. He would always look at, look at them and be not sympathetic. He would certainly be strong, yeah. but he would do it in a way that was appropriate. And, yeah. you know, whilst, whilst I sat in, sat in the, the referee's room at late morning talking to these guys on their own, mm. it wasn't like, you know, sort of bow down to them and let them get away with murder. It was, no. no, you don't do that, but let me help you do this. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was an education, you know, not only in football, but as a... Um, in life, really, you know. Uh, so it was, and uh, um, John treated players the way he would like to have been treated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the biggest way, the biggest uh, compliment I can give him. Really. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great to hear, Jeff, and um, you know, such a compliment to, to to the man. What when you when you started coaching, Jeff? What was the hardest thing that you found personally for you as a coach? You know, was there anything you thought, you know, well, I'm not sure I can, this is the hardest bit of it, or or, or did you not, you know, did you, did you not, you know, or, or was there a, a time, an adversity time when you thought, you know what, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this, or did that never occur? Um, well, there's a couple of things here, Rob. Uh, one was when I first went in as the, the youth coach at Lake Norwich, my, the first thing I did was have, have to take them on tour. Right. So we went over to France to yeah. a tournament. Yeah. And um, we uh, we played this tournament uh, against uh, obviously foreign well, French teams, and they they played in a different way. So you know to what we did, we were four four two, and they were all over the place. Yeah. You know compared with us, um, and we got to I think it was uh, we got to the final, um, which which was brilliant that we got to the final. Hmm. And in the final, I I said to uh, um, I I changed it and uh, said to one of the players. I want you to go and, and play on the sweeper because I play with a sweeper. Mm. And it was something that no one had ever done before. We, we got beat in the final, which was fine. But I think the players and the, the young players then recognised that I had something to offer. Right. But then when, I went, when we went back and we started to do pre-season and we started to work throughout the season, yeah. um, I, I, I would put on practices that, um, that I enjoyed when yes. I was a player. Yeah. And I had no understanding and no rationale behind why I was doing that when I, when I was doing it. Right. Um, so from from the qualification perspective, it helped me understand the rationale behind why you do what you do. Right. Um, and why you uh, uh, why you design the practice in a way that's appropriate to bring out the things that you need to bring out. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas before it was like. You know, well, what do I do? Oh, I'll do that. Oh, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. We'll do that one today. Yeah. You know, but there's no no uh, yeah. consistency. There's no logic behind why I did it. Um, you know, but in answer whether that answers your question or not, but I had no thoughts about going into into coaching. You know, what was you know something that I didn't really think about. Yeah. And I obviously thought about where am I going to pay the mortgage because mm. we didn't earn the money that uh, yeah. the players do now. Um, so, you know, when I did finish, there wasn't any jobs available. So I, I had to sign on the goal, which was, yeah. you know, a really difficult time, you know, from, from yeah, yeah, a family yeah. perspective and from a personal perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport and life. Leader Manager Coach. For the game. 
for life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store. Yeah, so knowing that, Jeff, what you're saying to me is in terms of the actual practicalities of, of being a professional coach, that one of the things that you had to learn was to be structured in organising your practice and have a rationale behind why you did certain things and try and work on creating a practice that brought an objective out rather than doing stuff that was just enjoyable and you kind of got out your own kit bag but without thinking I wonder if that will bring this result out that's what you that's what I think you're saying there well you you, you articulated it a lot better than what I did Rob but yeah you're absolutely right you know it was uh it was you know you, you, you sort of said well okay what what so uh, during the season, for example, I would just put on practices that I thought were really interesting for the players and enjoyable. But then once I'd done the qualifications, it was very much around, well, OK, we've played this game on Saturday. Um, we didn't do particularly well in these particular areas, so now I need to work on that because yeah. I need to help the players get better. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose that, that's the bottom line. Before, I was doing it because I thought that, oh, I really enjoyed that, but not thinking yeah. about what the players needed. Yeah. But now I've gone from, from that to what, understanding what the players require to get better at what they do. Yeah, okay. So just moving on from there, from Jeff, from, from there you are, you know, you, you've, you've got all this sort of great experience at a lower league club where actually, you, you know, you're demanded of because they haven't got, you know, the 20 staff that, that exist today and secretaries and drivers and all that. And there's you, Jeff, you know, you probably had you know, a few hours at home and then the rest of the week it was all at the club because that's that's kind of how, you, how it was. Um, I, going into coach education, um, how was that in terms of, you know, because people say, uh, people who go on courses, you hear them say, oh, you hear such a diverse uh, response when you say how was that course how was this course people come back off courses at clubs or, or you meet them on the circuit or whatever and say some people have fantastic experiences others don't how did you evolve as a coach educator in terms of learning to be a coach educator and, and I say that from having worked with coach educators been on a team of coach educators and also being a student where on a, you know, hold my hand up and say I've had great experiences and other experiences that I, I couldn't relate to the person I was being educated by. How, so how did well, you how did you get good, Jeff, at, at being a coach <laughs> educator? Because you know, listen, I'm telling you, you, you know, blimey, you don't get to where you got as head of you know the English FA's elite coaching without education without being absolutely class at what you do. Because there is, Jeff, isn't there? There's a difference, and I know there is. You know this, and I know this. Jeff, there is a world of difference between being a great coach and being a coach educator. There's a world of difference between those two things, isn't there? There is, and I think the thing about it, Rob, was very much around going through the experience of doing it. So whilst I said, you know, the first prelim I did, I got thrown into the deep end, et cetera, et cetera. There you are, get on with it. You've got 18 people on the course. Um, what one of the, uh, at the end of the course, I said, well, um, uh, uh, Alex said to me, how many's passed? I said, well, I can't remember the number. He said, no, that's too many. Go back and have another look. Right. You know, uh, so there, there was, there was like quotas given out at that particular time. And, you know, that's just the way it was yeah. at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw uh, Les Reed work. He came over and used the players at Leighton Orient uh, to do a, 
a uh, a license prep course, which is what we we did then. And yeah. Thought that was quite interesting watching the way he he did it. And and Les, as you know now, is the technical director at West at um at the FA. Yeah. And I've known him a long while. Um. But then you know uh, I suppose the, the real exposure was when I got uh, I got the job at. Um, uh, so I did, did the coaching at East Berkshire College. So yeah. my, my my role really was to do the actual practical coaching. Yes. Uh, so I got lots of lots of practice at doing that type of thing. But also while I was there, I did an educational program for myself. So I did a, a PG cert. Yeah. So I did my, did a teaching qualification while I was there. Yeah. So I understood learning a little bit as well, which 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 helped. Right. And then got the job at the PFA. Yeah. And the job at the PFA was to go and deliver level two coaching qualifications to the scholars at the football clubs. So I had 13 clubs to look after. Yeah. So there's 13 level twos I had to do right. per season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then you had to fit in and around the uh, the, the football clubs um, yeah. program, etc. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we're going to branch out. We're going to do uh, the uh, what was then called the level three course, which was the intermediate course when it first got um, yes. uh, introduced by the FA the, as the as the, um, the the bridge between level two and an A license or the prelim and A license. So, and then obviously they then become UEFA qualifications, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So mm. I would deliver UEFA B qualifications or level three qualifications because you couldn't couldn't get on an A license unless you did the level three. No. Uh, so I would then deliver that, yeah. um, and I delivered that to to numerous people that would. You know, household names, you know, Gus Poyet, Dennis Wise, Jim mm. Zola, mm. Robbie Di Matteo, mm. um, you know, <laughs> yeah. all those types of people, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, you know, yeah. the, there was a numerous people that were uh, big, high profile people that you go, okay, well, I've helped them yeah. uh, get better at what they, what they do because, and some of them are really humble about it, Rob, because they recognize that being a player is not the same as being a coach. No. Uh, is the, the 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 challenge is is when you get the ones that come come on it thinking well I'm a player yeah. I know all about this but actually you don't yeah you know you might understand the game but you don't understand necessarily how to teach the game yeah yeah and that that's that's a real challenge that one but um, so you know during that period of time I spent nine ten years at PFA delivering uh, level two qualifications and um, B license qualifications. But then got invited up by the FA up to Lillyshaw to deliver. A, 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 I think I was the first PFA member, uh, PFA coach to go up and deliver a right. license um, yeah. up at up at Lillyshaw. Yeah. Um, and then got thrown in at deep end again. So mm. there was no training. No. We didn't go through any training programs then. It was very much learn on the job type process. Mm -hmm. I just love, uh, you know, when I ask a question and I get an answer like that, Jeff, because. My question initially was, well, so, okay, how do you become, you know, such a renowned coach educator, which, which you are? Um, and you just answered you it work, naturally. You, you work. work. Yeah. So you just said to me, I did this, I did that. I had th I delivered 13 of these the year. I did, did these, I did the intermediates, I did the A license, I did the PFA. And basically it's like hours on the grass, your 10,000 hours, whatever you call it, whatever you want, however you want to label it, Jeff, you, you gave the answer that, you know, I, I went out there and, and I worked and I grafted and I got my education and I, I got my teaching certificate and I worked at it and, and I put the hours in because you do get these days so many people who, who, who don't 
believe that you have to do that to become a master at something and it's lovely i absolutely love it it's very personal but i love it when i hear somebody say that because i i'm a, I'm a true believer in um in, in that and it, it's it was it was a great great to hear that jeff and it's a great a great share so uh, thank you for that um so okay just moving on um advice to a young coach so uh, if you've you know, at the risk of kind of just out looking for the golden nugget, which, you know, I'm sure there isn't one. Um, if you've got, you know, you've got a young coach in front of you with enthusiasm, uh, without stating the obvious, maybe you'll say what you've just said, but what, what, what's the, how would you talk to them? What, what's the thing you're going to say to them about becoming a good coach? Uh, I think one of the, one, generally, I, I probably the best way to describe it is, is uh, going through a little story that um, happened while I was at the FA, uh, delivering a course up there. Um, I got a friend of mine, John Carver. Do you know John? Mm, yeah. Ex Newcastle manager. You know, I did my pro license with John. Yeah. And, you know, we sort of built a bit of a relationship and we keep in touch every now and again. And so I, I class him as a friend. And yeah. I, I, I rang him up and I said, would you come and talk to the, the coaches at the, on the A license about your coaching journey? Yes. And he's got, a, if you if you want to Google it, Rob, his coach journey is phenomenal. Okay. Um, he, he started off uh, as a 15, 16-year-old, or he was at Newcastle, and at 15, 16 years of age, he was a week away from playing, uh, making his debut in the first team at Newcastle. Yeah. And got and, and tore, tore a thigh muscle. Yeah. Um, and the injury was that bad. And in them days, it was very difficult to, to actually, you know, the yeah. treatments were yeah. completely different. So he really struggled. And then, and then uh, he went through a period of um, uh, what, what do I do now type thing. So he went away and did voluntary work for the local council, coaching, et cetera, et cetera. He ended up being blooming Newcastle manager. So he's got a phenomenal journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while he was delivering this, this presentation, uh, to a group of uh, young coaches, he asked he asked them how long they've been coaching, and one guy put his hand up and said ten years, and he said, "Oh, you know, fair play to you, you're giving it a go." Another guy put his hand up and he said, um, "I've been co um, coaching for two years." Now he's now on an A license qualification, and the reason why he's on an A license qualification is because the rules and regulations state that that phase league coaches need to have an A license qualification. Yeah. So he's a foundation phase lead coach. He's done two years as a coach. Yeah. And 50% of that time he was part-time. And he's now on an A-license qualification. Yeah. He's had no journey. Yeah. He's had no experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so my advice to people would be is that you have to get that experience before you can then sit in a room with people of like-minded uh, experiences. Because otherwise... You just you, you, you're doing it for the sake of doing it, and not for the reasons that you should be doing it yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also look at it and go, well, um, you also need to put yourself out a little bit. You know, there, there, there was one guy that came to me, um, and uh, is an Asian lad, and he cycled 13 miles to St George's Park, and he came up to me and said, "Can I ask your advice?" So I said, "Yeah, of course you can." So I took him into one of the classrooms, and I got one of the uh, flip-out papers, and he, mm. I, he said. I want some uh, information or some advice on my coaching journey. So I said, okay. I said, where are you at the moment? He said, I'm level one qualified. So I went, okay. I said, what have you done so far? He said, well, I've financed going to South America, Europe, um, Asia, yeah. or wherever it was, and all these different places to study the game. Yeah. Um, but he was still only level one qualified. 
Yeah. I, I, I drew a, um, a ladder of qualification for him with a top doing pro license. Yeah, yeah. Because the next question I asked him is, where do you want to get to? He said, I want to be a Premier League manager. Yeah, yeah. So he's looking at, you know, uh, so he's saying, how long is that going to be? I said, well, how, how old are you? He said, 23. I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, if you want to do it properly, you could probably look in for about another 15 to 17 years minimum yeah, before yeah. you even get anywhere near that. Yeah. And it, he, he was absolutely gobsmacked because he didn't realise, right. you know, the, the, the work that he needed to put in. Yeah. Now, he'd done a lot of that work. He'd studied the game. And, if you know... Uh, but what he needs to do is understand the game. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it, it's all well and good going to study the game, but what, what do you understand about the game? Why are they doing what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and, why, and uh, you know, so how are they doing that? Why are they doing that? When are they doing that? What are they doing? Yeah, yeah. And what's the consequences of what they do? Yeah. You know, within, that, within a certain system or style of play. Yeah. But people don't do that. What they do is they go, oh, yeah, you know, they, they play this way or they play that way, and that's fine. But they don't actually study the game and watch the game. Yeah. There was a gentleman called Dick Bate, and I'm sure you know him yeah, yeah. very well, um, and sadly he's passed away as well. He, he would come in on a, on a morning of an A licence, and he'd say to us, did you watch the game last night? And I'd say, well, there weren't any games on. He said, yes, there was. There's one in China. Yeah. He'd study the game from all over the world because he wanted to be the best. Yes. But understanding the game so you could pass on that information to yeah. other people. Yeah. What we don't do is do that. Yeah. What we do is we go, oh, we'll, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll watch Man City play or I'll watch Liverpool play and that's the way they play. But no, they don't. Yeah. I've, I've just put together a, um, a presentation because I'm going out um, uh, to foreign lands again in a week or so time. Yeah. And um, one of the quote, I put a quote, uh, I'll put um, some uh, words on a slide saying, um, if you watch the game, you miss Busquets. If you watch Busquets, you see the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, you know, so trying to get coaches who are trying to get a, a, a level three qualification to watch the game in a different way. Mm -hmm. And the amount of times that you, you watch, you, you, you talk to people and they say, well, yeah, but that happened up there. But that's where the ball is. Yeah. Now, now the ball was lost, lost possession now but have you seen what's going on back here Yeah, because they don't they watch the ball they watch it as a fan and not as a coach yeah it's lovely stuff Jeff it's, it's lovely stuff I do remember it's lovely stuff to hear coming from you and it's great the way you describe it um, I can remember all those times standing on the side whether you know watching a licence sessions or all that kind of stuff going on and I wouldn't say I had a light bulb moment but I did over it it, at one particular time, do remember kind of uh, understanding what you're saying about um, forgetting the ball, you know, just forget where the ball, you know, because that and that that did make such a, a massive difference. And I, and I I understand exactly what you're saying from that. And um, yeah, and you're not the only one to talk about Dick in that regard, obviously as well. I mean, obviously he was considered to be very unique in his. Uh, in his manner, um, in his <laughs> level of knowledge, um, you know. Um, but um, no, I think that's an understatement, Rob. If I'm honest, you know, <laughs> you know it was. Um, you know, he, he um, you know, so I talk about John, uh, John Lyle, as, as a player and as a person, etc., etc., and the influence he had on me. Uh, but Dick had, had the, uh, a lot of um, uh, subliminal. Um, uh, impact on me as a, as a coach educator. So we would watch Dick, and as a consequence of that, 
you would pick things up on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, but Dick would, would never really offer any uh, any advice or you know never uh, or any feedback around what you did when we was out there delivering our stuff. Yeah. And then there was one incident at, at uh, Lillishaw when uh, there was a flood in one of the dorms. So we we are starting right. to move out of our dorm. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so the, the candidates could move in there. Yeah. And we went to a local hotel down the road. Yeah. And on the last night of the course, he gave me a lift back to Lillishaw because we all, as staff, we always had a meal in Lillishaw. And as we're driving along, he said, um, he said, you know something? I said, what? He said, you're getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> like a little throwaway <laughs> comment. Yeah, yeah, that a little. Feedback. That was it. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, he said, you get much more confident in what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and to, to hear that from someone who um, was at the top of top of the game. Yeah, a master. You know, yeah. is, 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 you know, sort of a pretty, pretty decent compliment. So... You know, I've, I've taken that for, um, you know, but you, you can you can do what you can do, Rob, you know, and, you know, to be the best, I suppose, you, you know. Okay, so um, Jim Franco Zola is yeah. at yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. And um, a friend of mine, Ted Dow, who works for the FA now, and uh, I've known for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a youth team coach at Chelsea at the time. Yes. And in the afternoons, um, uh, Franco would go out and do extra work. Mm -hmm. And yet he was one of the best in the world at the time, but he would go out and do extra work. And you know, when you, you get a line of cones and you, you get the players to dribble around it, and I don't like it, but do. it, and they dribble in and out of the cones. Yeah. He would put the line of cones up and dribble in and out of it with a ball, with the ball off the floor. Right. You know, so he, he would do things differently because he wanted to be uh, the best, but he yeah. also wanted to maintain being the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you maintain being a co coach educator? Or how do you maintain being the best coach? Well, you have to study the game. You have to understand the ins and outs of how Klopp plays at Liverpool, how Pep plays at Man City. Because if you don't, and your team comes up against them, you've got no chance. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, lovely stuff, lovely stories um, to illustrate, Jeff, as well, um, which, you know, just shows your, it just brings out the amount of experience that you've got, you know, um, blimey, uh, it, it's just fantastic stuff. So just moving on, Jeff, because I'm, I'm conscious of your time and you, blimey, you've shared enough stuff to to last a lifetime here. So, you know, we've got John Lyle, the influence of John and the, the influence of Dick Bate and, and the hours you've spent and, 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 you know, your own experiences as a young coach um, and, and then educating yourself and, and putting yourself through your own education and seeing how that can impact other people. Um, so what, just, just, just to kind of take it to its, to its, um, at the end, really, Jeff, uh, you know, as regards your own journey, um, you know, y you were at the FA for a long time. And, and so where, where are you now, Jeff? What's, what's kind of Jeff doing at the minute so um, people know what, you, what you're up to and, and, and where, you, where you're sort of applying your trade now? Well, I, I had like nine or ten years at the PFA, Bob, which was a great experience working with a lot of people. But I'll go back to John again. And uh, John said to me one day, um, while I, whilst I was in his company, I'd gone down to see him when he was down at Ipswich, as, uh, or just finished as Ipswich manager. Mm. And I was doing some charity work with some friends of mine, and I, I, I wanted to go and invite him and his wife Yvonne to one of my charity functions. Yeah. And um, so I went down to see him, and we was chatting away, and he said, you know something? I said, what? He said, 
it's people like you that should be working at the FI. Yeah. So I was working at the PFA at the time, and it took me five interviews to get a job at the FA. Right. And eventually I got a job at the FA, and I spent 13 and a yeah, half yeah, years yeah. Uh, at, at the FA. Uh, and I, I, I can't say that I enjoyed every solitary minute of it, but I enjoyed most of it. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of probably 95%. Even, the, din- even the dingy rooms at Keele. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. You know, uh, so uh, I, I did that, and then my my um, uh, employment finished on the thirty first of December last year, just prior to the um, the, the pandemic that yeah. we've got. I I, I uh, started to do some work at Lake Orient, um, which was two days a week at Orient, going back to my old club and helping. Really? Uh, the coaches get better there right the way through from academy manager. Uh, sorry, the academy coaches right, right the way through to the first team manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that, that that will you know re, um, uh, re, re you know rehappen again when when we get the opportunity when COVID finishes because it's it's a it's a nice club. Uh, and, well, you ju- know, ju- it, I was enjoying the work that I was doing lovely, there, and it was yeah. Just on that, Jeff, I, 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 amazingly enough, just through coincidence, um, I hooked up with the the, Amer- the American owner. Um, All right, and uh, he he's been interviewed on on the on the podcast, and he was amazing. Talk about passionate about um, about Orient flipping out. It was fantastic. So um, yeah, you're yeah. Gr- I mean, there's 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 a lot of uh, there's a lot of good people working at the club at the moment, and you know, hopefully that will continue. Yeah, and, yeah. you know. It, uh, so hopefully I'll be able to Brilliant. sort of um, you know uh, re- restart that again when the opportunity arises. But um, I- I've also uh, recently been out to Saudi Arabia to deliver uh, their their very first A license qualification. And that yeah. came about through a guy called Frank Ludolf, who's head of education at UEFA. Okay, and um, he uh, was contacted by. Um, the, the technical director from the Saudi Arabian Football Federation and, asked, and then contacted me to ask me if I would be interested in going out and delivering this course. Yeah. Originally, it was with um, a guy from uh, Ireland and a guy from Scandinavia. Uh, but then they, they couldn't go because of the issues around COVID. Yeah. Um, so I, I then contacted Steve Rutter yeah. and... Um, Rich Carter, who uh, and, and both of those guys are very experienced coach educators, as, as you know, yeah. uh, to come out with me, which they did. Uh, so I, I got back about uh, just over a week ago now from there. Um, and the idea is that we're delivering three modules. Right. One was just done, two second modules in November, and the third one's in March of next year. And the idea is that we can help uh, the Saudi Arabian Football Federation get get accreditation from the AFC, the Asian uh, Asian Football Confederation, yes. which is the uh, equivalent, as you know, of the UEFA over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, fantastic. So they've been monitoring that, that. So it's their very first A-license qualification, and, you know, we're, we're, we're working really hard to, to help them get accreditation for that. Um, and, you know, just over a week's time, I'm due to fly out to Dubai to do... Uh, a course on behalf of the FA, a, a level three international course, right. which has been set up. So both myself and Steve are going out there. So um, whilst um, uh, whilst I haven't got, uh, so I'm, I'm self-employed basically now and picking up those types of things uh, and, you know, really enjoying, enjoying the work, you know, because it, it's, 
it's great experiences. I've never been out to uh, Saudi before, and you know, so it was uh, it was interesting going out there and working with uh, coaches from a, a completely different culture. Um, so yeah, looking forward to going back in November to do the second block of, of that their work, um, and then I've got, uh, uh, there's a couple of other things that potentially might be. Uh, available next year, but in in different foreign climes. So, you know, it, it's it's uh, beginning to take shape a little bit now. But, you know, obviously, you know, I'm I'm not getting any younger, Rob. And uh, you know, I, I want to spend a bit of time. I've got six grandchildren that brilliant. Uh, that I love that I love seeing, spending time love with. It. Obviously, that's been a challenge for at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So to be self-employed and being able to pick up these things and do these things when I when you know basically I can do them. Uh, so it gives me more time to spend, you know, in and around home. Because uh, if I'm honest, the, the the last sort of eighteen months, two years, maybe three years at the FA, it was I spent a lot of time away from home. Yeah, yeah. you know, every week, you know. So it was it was a challenge to do that. But, Absolutely. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, so uh, enjoying everything at the moment, Rob. Enjoying a bit of time at home. The garden's looking magnificent. Um, uh, but you know, obviously putting some putting some work in, you know, and getting back into the swing of yes. of uh, educating coaches again. Jeff, it's 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 great, and and you've just kind of answered the the last question I was going to ask you. I said, well, you know, what what does Jeff do when he's not um, analysing a game or helping <laughs> helping young coach? And it's lovely, lovely to hear. Um, you know that uh, the family's well and you've got you know the pike family's growing and young grandkids and and you know your time for a little bit of gardening as well if you've um got got the got the feel for it so jeff it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you and lovely to reconnect it really as you were great great to work with and and you know hand on heart i can actually say you know You've, you were so generous with me with your time, mate. Um, and it, you know, uh, I, I'm actually really happy to, to share. You know, I consider myself blessed to be able to spend time with Steve Rutter and Blamey Dick and, and people like you. You know, Blamey, it's a complete gift to, to work to, to to be with people like yourself if you're interested in football and coaching. Um, so, you know, hopefully this will this will this will this will share some some of your knowledge to people who don't get on don't get on the courses, Jeff. So I can't thank you enough for your time, mate. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be uh, uh, conversing on a more regular basis and catching up with you because I'm sure the weather's a bit better where you are than where it is here at the moment. Right. It's uh, absolutely chucking it down, but yeah. um, you know, so uh, yeah, um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Rob, and uh, you know, I'll, I'm happy to talk to you anytime. You know that. Bless you, mate. That's great. Mate.